Welcome. Welcome to those who are online. Welcome to those in the congregation. My prayer today is that our eyes will be enlightened and that our ears will be opened to hear what the Spirit of God wants to say. A week or so ago, I was one of the 85,000 at the Sydney airport waiting for my plane. Three times I got a text to tell me to be there two hours early. I had my ticket, my bag, carry-on luggage only, and I started the long wait. The first line I got onto was no line. So I was put on another line and then another line. When you're waiting, there's different characters around. Those who want to keep changing lines, those that want to keep checking that it's moving, and the grumblers. And I had the lot. And that was shuffle, shuffle, stop, no personal space. We all had masks on, of course, but it was a wait, a long wait. The sad part was when I got through, all the breakfast food had been sold. So it was straight onto the plane and off we go. Over the years, I've learned to wait. Many, many occasions, like you, I've had to wait. I do have a habit of any line I go to trying to work out which is the shortest and the quickest. And invariably, I choose a line that is the slowest. Waiting. Patience, waiting. The disciples were told now to wait. But the waiting started a long, long time ago. They had been waiting for the Messiah to come. And then the Messiah was there, Jesus among them. And Jesus going around, doing good. Crowds astonished. The disciples believing, not believing, doubting, trusting, wondering, pondering, copying. Who was this Jesus? And then, as we were reminded last weekend, Good Friday, this Jesus killed, dead. But Sunday came, resurrection. And from the resurrection, we are going to talk through this morning talk through this evening <laughs> the power of the wait and what was Jesus doing from the time of the resurrection to Pentecost or more importantly the ascension. We had in our Bible reading from Corinthians that according to the scriptures Paul writes that is according to the Old Testament Jesus Christ our Savior came. He was buried he was raised and he appeared. That's part, a very big part of our gospel message, the story of Jesus. And it's interesting to know, well, who on earth did Jesus appear to? Well, first of all, it was the women. Praise God for the women. They had been there at the cross. They had been there and saw the suffering, the anguish, the disappointment, the frustration, the hope dissipated. Where? What? How? 
crying, grief, anxious. There on the first day of the week with their spices. Wonder, amazement. He is not here. And that invitation, come and see, come and see. This time, not come and see Jesus, but come and see the tomb is empty. He is not here. And then they were the first evangelists, the first messengers entrusted with the news. Go and tell. Go and tell the disciples. And of course, then they did go. Now, this is just a sideline. Jesus always was countercultural. He turned the culture upside down. And this time, he is entrusting the first news of the resurrection to women. In those days, women's witnessing and testimony was not to be believed. So here's Jesus trusting them, telling them to go and tell. Well, of course, he appeared. Peter, not a good waiter. When Peter heard, he jumped up, he ran, and he saw the tomb was empty, and he came back, and he's wondering, pondering. And I wonder, I ponder, was Jesus so, was uh, Peter so fast, so quick, that he didn't even have time to see angels or gardeners or anything different? He was confused. But this list, this list that I've got up here, just shows the order that we can have for the appearances of Jesus during these 40 days. Yeah, the women, the two believers on the road to Emmaus, to Peter and the disciples through locked doors. Thomas wasn't there. Thomas later. Thomas invited to put his fingers through the hand print, the scar tissue that's there. Jesus provided a miraculous catch of fish after Peter not knowing what to do, just said, let's go fishing, let's do what we know how to do, except they didn't catch anything. Miraculous catch of fish, Jesus cooks a fish, gives them breakfast for seven of the disciples. Here he reconciles with Peter, restores him. Then he commissions the disciples to go and teach. According to our passage in Corinthians, it says that he appeared to as many as 500 men and women. Lastly, in the flesh, he appeared to James, his brother, not one of the disciples, now apostles, but James, his brother, who was to become the leader of the church in Jerusalem. What on earth was the purpose of this appearance, Jesus appearing to these people. It's interesting to know who Jesus appeared to and who he didn't. Now, if it had been you and me and had those miraculous powers, we probably would have popped into Pilate's bedroom through the door, through the, through the wall and say, hey, Pilate, you got it wrong. Here I am, here I am, I'm not dead. Or to Herod, or especially to the religious leaders while they're sitting around studying the scriptures. Jesus to pop up in the middle and say, here I am. He didn't appear to these. Nor did he appear to the soldiers who lost his body, who went to the authorities and were paid to say that he had not risen. There is fake news. He was not 
appearing to them. He appeared to people who were going to be witnesses, witnesses to his life, witnesses to his death, witnesses to his resurrection, according to the scriptures. It is to witnesses that Jesus appears. Well, let's have a look and see exactly what did Jesus do during these 40 days. I want us to turn to Acts 1 and look at the first 11 verses. They're on the screen. In the first book, Luke writes to Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving us instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you've heard from me. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come all together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it's not for you to know the time when you will, uh, it's not time, it is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has sent by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he has said this and they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up to heaven, two men suddenly appeared and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. From here, we find that there are at least five things that Jesus did. He taught them and gave them instruction through the Holy Spirit. He presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs or miracles. For 40 days, he spoke about the kingdom of God. After 40 days, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait. And he ascended to the Father. So I'm interested to know, what did Jesus teach them? Hadn't he been with them for three years teaching? Hadn't they heard him and seen everything? He actually said, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms will be fulfilled, according to Luke. 
he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written, the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be given. Their eyes were open. Now they could get it. Jesus opened the scriptures from Genesis to Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, right through to Malachi. They didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and the rest. He opened their minds and in the Old Testament, they saw Jesus. And that's the invitation that we have today as we read the scriptures to have our eyes opened to see Jesus on every single page. He taught them from the beginning, according to Acts. He taught them about the kingdom of God. He was already doing that while he was around among them for those three years, and they still didn't get it. And today we still don't get it. Their question shows that they misunderstood still about the kingdom. They were still waiting for something concrete, something they could see with soldiers and swords and a throne and a temple and a kingdom that people belonged to that was stronger, mighty, bigger, and could win anything. They still wanted something concrete. Their question said, when will you restore the kingdom to Israel? So Jesus says, it's not for you to know. Fortunately, they did eventually get it, that it was spiritual. It was not of this world. It was of God, that the king was King Jesus, that he was Lord and he was Savior, and that the rule was the rule of God in the lives of his people, that the kingdom of God was where the spirit of God was at work all the time, drawing men and women to Jesus. But he taught them that there was more. There's more to come. He taught them the promise of the gift, but they had to wait for that. Before he went, he commissioned them. And he said, you shall receive power, power, dunamis, dunamai, the ability, the power, the strength to do what I asked you to do. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the result of this power is that you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. So here we have Jesus with his ministry now being handed over to these apostles, to these 120 men and women who are there around him, maybe to the 500, but especially to these apostles. You shall be witnesses. I want you to imagine the tension, the confusion. Go and tell. They're still confused. Move out of Jerusalem. Okay, it's okay to go to Galilee. Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. Jesus is with them during these 40 days, but it's so different. He's here one moment, gone, pops up here, pops up there. Tension. Where is this Jesus? It's confusing. They're living in the not now, and yet they're living in the reality of Jesus risen from the dead. 
but there's more to come. There's more to come. And he said the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Was that like in the Old Testament, the old part of the Bible? Or was that like at Jesus' baptism? What did it mean? What did it mean? Mm, closed with Jesus, questions. And hey, he said we'd be witnesses. Does Jesus know that that word is the same word as martyr? Do we end up like Jesus? Oh my goodness, we are to wait. With these words, the commission, we have what we call the ascension. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going up, gazing towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes asked them, stood by them, men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking up into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken from you into heaven, will in the same way come again. Where did Jesus go? And where is he now? Good questions. He was taken. He was lifted up. They were gazing. Let me go back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Everything belongs to God. Heaven in the Hebrew is plural, heavens. It's the same word for skies. So that's the place where they saw God dwells, the space of God, the world of God. But God created a space for humans. We call this earth. Yet it was a God space too. And it was the Garden of Eden, as Steve mentioned last week. The Garden of Eden, paradise, perfection, where human and divine interconnected, related, enjoyed, delighted, fellowshiped together, enjoyed the beauty, the splendor, the lushness of paradise. Heaven met earth the God space, the human space together. We miss this God space, the home of God among humans, when our human parents, Adam and Eve, chose to live in disobedience to God. They were banished from the garden where heaven and earth met and they lost the closeness of relationship. Jesus came and invaded our space so we could be reconnected with our God, our creator, the owner and lover of all. One of the longing prayers of the faithful people in the older part of the Bible is that, oh, that God would come down. This is the language they used, the God space into the human space. God did this. We know it and celebrate it at Christmas through the incarnation. And then again at the baptism of Jesus where there is that visible presence and that loud voice. God opened the heavens and came down. We remembered Jesus coming in the flesh, living among us, teaching us, 
We remember Good Friday when he died and paid the penalty for our sin, the disobedience, the recklessness of our lives so that we could be reconciled once again, human space with God's space, reconciled with our God, our creator. The sin which separated us from our God is paid for. Penalty gone. Jesus took that sin upon himself so that we could enjoy God and live. Maybe you've never experienced the beauty of being forgiven, of knowing your guilt and condemnation and sin has been taken on by Jesus Christ, God's beloved only son who died for you, for me, for us. Pause. Invite this Jesus to forgive your sins as you say, sorry, forgive me, enter my life. I give it to you. The work of Jesus on earth is finished and Jesus will return. He is in that place of exaltation. He is enthroned. He has a new name, King Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, God's Messiah, the promised one, exalted. And he has now opened the way for us to enter heaven, to enter the God space, and for the God space to become our space. We, those who are of us who believe in Jesus and follow him, can live a fully human life in Christ and knowing that Christ is in us. In Jesus, we know what it means to be fully human. Jesus in us, God's Messiah. So, what now for the disciples? What now for them? They had to wait. They didn't know how long. They couldn't go back fishing now. Everything had changed. Wait in Jerusalem, where all those nasty things had happened. They met in the temple and where they were staying, and they worshipped and they prayed. And they actually appointed someone to take the place of Judas. Now, this waiting was more like Christmas present. I don't know if you've ever, ever wanted and longed for something, something really special, and you've given as many hints as you can, and you believe it will be under the Christmas tree for you. And under the Christmas tree is a strange present. It's wrapped. And it doesn't actually look like you want it. And you touch it and you feel it, you shake it, you turn it around, and you know that you have to wait for it. There's excitement, there's anticipation, and there's even a sense of, oh, I don't know if it's what I really want. All wrapped up together. Wait. That's what I think that waiting was like. What did Jesus mean? What has he meant? We are going to 
see him come again. We are going to be witnesses. The Spirit of God is going to be upon us. Wow, worship God. They used the Psalms. They prayed. They talked. They shared stories. They had questions. They were obedient. They waited. And there was about 120 men and women. And here's what. You have to wait till next Sunday to find out what happened when Danny will speak on this. But what about us? What now for us? Remember, the two men in white robes said, why are you looking up? This Jesus, who's been taken up, will come back again. We, too, are in the wait for Jesus to return. Our wait is long. It's as long as Abraham to Jesus. Already 2,000 years and over since he made the promise that he would return. But we too are commissioned just like the disciples. And we have a choice, a choice to be stargazers or witnesses. What do I mean about a stargazer? I mean to spend our time wondering and worrying about signs and wonders. When will Jesus come? What does this sign say? Who is this? What is happening in the world so I can predict the end of the world? That's one form of stargazing. When we're so consumed with our questions and wondering and pondering that we lose focus of the Jesus, who is the life, the way, the truth, Jesus who gives us meaning and purpose, love and hope. Jesus who says, the second choice, be my witnesses. Go and tell. Tell what you have witnessed from the word of God, the scriptures, and from the witness of the Holy Spirit within you and from those who share the good news of the kingdom. Our God reigns. Our God is Lord. Our God is King. Our God, Jesus, will come again. Meanwhile, we are called not to be stargazers of no earthly use and filled up with all spirituality that doesn't touch and love our neighbour. We are to be witnesses, telling the story, 